0: to try to convince me to save the world. Some of our ideas are a bit ambitious. I know how hard this is for you to hear. Governments should be afraid of their people. you got the makings of greatness in you. What we do in life echoes in eternity. If you could see your whole life from start to finish. Then we would be given a choice to betray our chosen destinies. I have to believe in a world outside my own. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks.
1: Love is the one thing that transcends dimensions of time and space. Are
0: you watching closely? Welcome, my beautiful, wonderful listener to the Talking About Talking podcast, where we talk about everything and anything and talk about talking about those things. Today I am joined by Kate Cormack. She is formally trained as a registered nurse. She worked as an investment advisor for 10 years and managed a branch for three of those years. She has a master's degree in psychology and ran her own practice in psychotherapy for 10 years. Thank for joining me, Kate.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: I am happy to. With your psychotherapy practice, it's my understanding that you had a lot of clients with ADHD. Is that correct?
1: Yes, it, it worked out that way, Trevor. Um, I started off my practice and it was for marriage. And uh, it was I have have a designation from the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists that so I, I have that title. And uh, I was working mainly with individuals um, doing quite a bit of couple counseling which tends to be a little more challenging and then with families but it you couldn't get families into the um counseling room it was very difficult and the group and I love the group dynamics of working with a family is fascinating but very hard to get the whole family to come in together for family sessions so when I left uh, and set up my practice I had said to my um, professors I said well you know how do you know you know where to sort of focus and they said oh don't worry you don't have to go looking for any specialty because it's such a broad field it said they said it'll find you and I said well okay I didn't really know what they meant so I did end up I guess I had one person in with um, ADHD, and I was familiar with it because I had done my master's in Seattle, and a lot of uh, ADHD coaches and Had There were a lot of them out there long before you would see them in other parts of the country because a lot of their um, clients were from Microsoft. And there tends to be a high preponderance of folks with ADHD at Microsoft because of the way that their brain works, I mean, and and also salespeople as well. Um, But I did get someone who came to me with ADHD. And we had talked about it, and I'd learned some somewhat about it. Uh, you know in my general training but I had to go and do tremendous amounts of my own research Um, Trevor a lot of reading of all the top books and uh, the the top authorities on it and going and doing a lot of a lot of research so that I felt comfortable um, trying to assist someone who would have ADHD and um, back then I mean they were just starting to bring out the concerted the drugs concerta and vivance and um, they were you know coming out of the old just using rid and other stimulants mode. So I worked with someone and then I guess someone else came along after a while and I was building up my knowledge about it and being able to do um, some some diagnostic tests with them that I had found that would help me to uh, sort of understand their particular needs. And uh, then all of a sudden, someone who was seeing a psychiatrist um, told them about me and psychiatrists don't have much time to accept to do an intake Uh, give a diagnosis of sorts, uh, you know, and then to prescribe medication. Uh, There's so few of them and they don't so that they don't have the time to be sitting down for an hour with an individual or begin any type of, you know, ADHD coaching, per right. se. Right,
0: so then it sounds like your practice kind of just built through word of mouth from yes. coaching and one an, and then snowballing to the next, to the next, to the yes. next. Yeah.
1: And, 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 you know, mainly psychi- the psychiatrist started making referrals, and then he would tell other people, other doctors in the medical profession, and when they had a, someone who um, was in a position to come for, for ADHD Uh, therapy and ADHD coaching, um, then they they would have to either have coverage for insurance at work or they would have to pay me privately. So it wasn't something that not everyone would be able to afford Trevor.
0: When it comes to the ADHD coaching, I I recognize that you mentioned that you had to do certain testing to find out the in particulars of each individual for Mm -hmm. what ways their ADHD manifested in their life, how it affected them as an individual, because it's a little different from person to person. But with that said, is there any particular exercise, habit or strategy that you tended to recommend for most people with ADHD that seemed highly effective?
1: Well, it's a. It's every individual is unique, and you have to um, customize the coaching to that individual. Because a person who might be hyperactive might not have attentional focusing issues, or a person who has both of those might not have have significant mood management issues. So those are the three key areas, and then there's some other areas like impulsivity and, and things like that. And I don't have that data in front of me right now, but it was when I would have people answer a questionnaire of about three hundred questions, it would become um, clear on a scale you could see, and i tested myself as well on it, and I answered it honestly. And it, you know, it showed that I didn't have the high enough scores to have issues with uh, focusing or hyperactivity or, um, sig- you know, significant mood management issues. So what I would do is for people who have uh, hyperactivity, usually often they're their doctor is has them on some type of medication. And there's a lot of um, controversy, at least there was back in my day, a lot of controversy as to was medication being overused, particularly with children. Um, you know and so there was there was all that so i would have to do a complete intake and find out you know what their situation was uh, you know looking at the fact that with with the um hyperactivity did they have that and if so we had strategies for that a lot of people a lot of the issues centered around um focusing and sh- attentional focusing issues mm-hmm. so there was all there's all kinds of strat organ strategy strategies to help people who have difficulty um with focusing in a linear type of uh, thinking way there's all different types of thinking so um, you know it's just that they have focusing issues as well as not being analytical necessarily thinkers but more um, kind of uh, convert you know the divergent way of thinking rather than convergent which is to take all the data and come down with a solution like take the, they're more instead of, instead of doing a process of uh, whereas an analytical thinker would go A, B, C, D, E, F, G folks who are uh, divergent convergent convergent thinkers and I'm not uh I hope I'm not getting them mixed up. Um, they are more A, E, D, K than back mm-hmm. to B. It, it. And so yep. it's more of a pulling different ideas out of the uh, out of their own mind and the way their experience and putting them together in a different way. So often when people work in a what is tends to be in business a very analytical world, they really do need to um, develop. You know, I would give them the tools and the uh, sort of the, the the processes and how to organize themselves better. And because folks like who are uh, more, you know, thinking not in a linear fashion, they often need, uh, they work very well visually. So it, it would be if they had a computer, how to set up the computer file system. If they had file folders, um, there are certain ways that they should be stacked. There's ways that color coding very, works very well with folks with ADHD. So um, I find it
0: interesting that you say that because the, I mean, more recently I became aware of my own ADHD. And Mm -hmm. I, I was just working with a therapist for anxiety and other issues. And then at some point she asked if I was formally diagnosed with ADHD and I said, no, why? And she kind of just gave me this look like, yeah, you might want to consider that. And, yes. and so I've been paying more attention to that and listening to some lectures, reading some things. And so going back to what you mentioned about the medication, my understanding on it right now is that appropriate use of medication is to help with using the forefront of your brain, the, the focus part. I forget the acronym for it's it.
1: Called the, it's called Cortex?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, there's
1: a it's the decision-making. TPN, that's not
0: it. Anyways, there, there's the DMN, mm-hmm. the default mode network, the back part of your brain that's more for like brainstorming, creative thinking and and daydreaming is what it really takes over for. And so as someone with ADHD, your default mode network network wants to take over all the time so that you're always wanting to daydream and that's why you're always distracted. At least that's one of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And so it's harder to use that forefront of your brain to stay focused on things where the medication will help you use those executive functions to stay focused on the task at hand.
1: Yes, the the medication um, helps with focusing and it's interesting when they do prescribe ADHD medication for folks with ADHD, they'll give them a very limited supply mm-hmm. because they know that, and aside from having them back to review their situation, that they were the kids would be selling them in the schoolyard because, and it is very common right now in uh, in universities in the US, I can't speak for Canada, but people who don't even have ADHD, they will get their hands on the, um, the, the stimulants, stimulants yeah. and that will help them to hyper, to really focus because what happens folks with ADHD, they hyper they can hyper-focus. Oh,
0: I know all about it. Yeah.
1: yeah, one minute they're gone and they're off, as you mentioned, off-floating all over in this this way, different, not unanalytical way of... Daydreaming. Uh, of Daydream, pros- day, so to speak. Um, but they um, certainly, you know, th- th- it helps people to focus. And um, part of it, I think, with the focusing, I think part of it is related to um, low serotonin levels, whether... Mm-hmm it's actually serotonin or it's other and that's very simplistic other um chemicals within neurochemicals within the brain that are also uh, affects our behavior um the brain is so complicated i find it oh, fascinating yeah. yeah, i find it fascinating but um just as an example a person who doesn't have a what we would consider to be a, a moral compass we you know they, they get labeled and i hate labels but it helps us to understand behavior um, There can be labeled as psychopaths or sociopaths, but we know that with psychopaths and sociopaths, that there is a part of their brain that helps, um, that sort of equates to having you have a conscience and you so you have a moral compass. That part of their brain just doesn't work, and they're quite intelligent. And if they're sociopaths, very very charming and sociable, but um, and they usually rise to the highest levels in corporations because they they don't they don't doesn't matter them what they have to do to get to the top. thats a terrible thing to say, but it's it's
0: true. Yeah, I, I've heard of someone mentioning that they had like an awareness that they lacked empathy, they kind of had a self awareness that they were low on it, and that they were trying to work on it. I found that kind of fascinating. I wonder, I really wonder if you really work on empathy, if you don't have it seems like an interesting um, idea. I,
1: I, I'm not sure uh, whether someone there might be an Well, I know, help me out here with, um, oh, there's a, what is it that, both Bill Gates and um, the fellow who started... Um, Jeff Bezos? Uh, nope, the other fellow who started... Um, oh,
0: they started Apple. Apple. Um, Steve Jobs.
1: Yes, Asperger's. Oh, so right, if right. you have Asperger's, and I've worked with a few folks with Asperger's, um, they don't have a lot of empathy, but they're not sociopaths. No. They they What I found when I would talk to them about their emotions, and we're going a little off topic here, but just to, we're talking about empathy. They were... Um, they could get angry very easily. They could get very angry um, and fear. They really didn't have a lot of fear in situations where most of us would have some fear. And a lot of them tended to go into the military. <laughs> so and but with when they felt sad, you know, sadness, I'd ask them and they say, well, kind of, sort of. I know when my dog died, I I guess I kind of felt sad, but when it came and happy, yeah, they could be happy, but they could, because they had no fear and, um, they, um, and they could get angry easily. They could be real bullies. And that's why they were very successful in the boardroom. And they could really be extremely faithful. They, they were like pit bulls. You couldn't, it, it's very hard to a person with Asperger's and there's another, another related, uh, disorder, not necessarily Asperger's, but uh, forget the other one. They, um, they, can be very successful because they're basically they're bullies. They don't care. They have no fear of, yeah. of the consequences. But getting back to ADHD, uh, those people had uh, certainly were just as compassionate as the next person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, oh, for sure.
1: But I think with the folks who were psychopaths, um, no, I don't think they had empathy. I, not, not in my experience or reading.
0: Yeah. So to get onto a different topic with mm-hmm. regards to regarding your uh, investment history, And it's my understanding (laughs) that you pay a decent amount of attention to the financial markets still. When it comes to crypto, a lot of people are very skeptical about cryptocurrency, and especially since this whole FTX thing blew up. How do you feel about the state of crypto or Bitcoin?
1: Well, I must say it isn't something that was around when I was in the business. Um, I am hesitant about crypto. I don't own any crypto. If I was going to play the crypto market, I would look at GBTC, which is Greystone. Bitcoin. It's like a mutual fund of Bitcoin and I would play the swings in the market there if I was going to play it. Um, but with crypto I don't know where it's going from here. Bitcoin's been really not bad in price it has had a little bounce um do i think it will go up again i think it may but i think i think you'd be best to stick to either bitcoin or ethereum one of the big ones mm-hmm. um i wouldn't be messing with with uh, any of the smaller um doggy or you know
0: yeah yeah do- whatever do- doge coin, do- do- yeah,
1: yeah 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 they're um, but i think they the call best...
0: them shit coins yeah. on the internet yeah so.
1: like i wouldn't personally be buying them i wouldn't recommend for um seniors Um, you know, it's, there's just been so much, there's been so much, um, fraud involved with a lot of the the Bitcoin. And, um, if you don't,
0: sorry uh, to correct you there, but Bitcoin has not been associated with fraud, the other cryptocurrencies.
1: No, no, not Bitcoin has for sure. Um, but, um, it, I think what there, what we're looking at um, is what I see happening is that um, you can see where England now is ready, the Bank of England, just to launch a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that most governments want to get their hands on control of, crypto, of cryptocurrencies because their are paper money. They don't they don't want to use paper money anymore uh, because it's easier. I have to be very careful what I say
0: here. <laughs> um, oh, come on! We both know what you want to yeah. say. We both know. Yeah. What that the governments are eventually going to try and mandate some sort of cryptocurrency and eliminate the fiat currency because the cryptocurrencies if they have their own are programmable and then they can choose what you spend your money on limit you if you're not behaving the way they want you to behave you are
1: you're you're very right i would have to agree with you on that it's like the social credit system that they have in china now and i must say i don't i don't i hope to heck this doesn't i hope it doesn't doesn't happen but it looks like it's going in that direction i think so but- what
0: i find curious about that is if it does go in that direction and fiat gets wiped out is there any reason to hang on to cash? Like, will, will people still value cash? You know what I mean?
1: I think cash will be valuable for a period of time. Um, I certainly would recommend keeping some cash on hand. As we've seen, we've had ATMs go down, you know, yeah. where you couldn't go and get money out of the system. We've seen the government shut down people who are involved with the convoys accounts. They just shut mm-hmm. the darn things down. So I would think it probably is prudent to have some cash at home um, to, for use out of the banking system mm-hmm. but I think ultimately um, they will get rid of wealth. Fiat currency unfortunately, the, as you probably are well aware Trevor, the um, level of debt in the world is is beyond imagination. Like People have no idea how money really works, that they're printing money that there's nothing to back it. They took us off the gold standard back under Nixon in the 70s. So I would think that a lot of people now, particularly China and Russia are moving towards. Uh, Russia mines a lot of gold. Um, China is. Russia is selling gold hand over fist to China, uh, their central bank. Uh, Russia has dramatically increased their um, reserves, gold reserves, and I think that they may they may come up with a new what they call a depository receipt, an SDR. And I think that they may have a basket of currencies or a basket of commodities. They, they, there's been talk of that, like the oil is part of the basket and gold's part of the basket and the yuan is part of the basket and the euro is part of the basket and the US dollar. But I don't think that a lot of these currency around in the future, particularly the US dollar, which is uh, it's uh, in dire straits right now. Yeah, I Most- think
0: it was something like the last 12 months or so for- of all currency was printed in the last 12 months something yes, along those lines, it's just they're doing
1: it And that's what's propping up the stock market. Now the stock market did go down from, I, I'd have to have it in front of me here, but I know that it went from whatever the SPX was at, it went down um, about 25% and it's retraced half of what it lost and it's bounced up again. <laughs> but um, from being a technician myself and a, a technical, more of a technical analyst in terms of timing of stock buys and sells, um, I would say that um, you know the, the the U.S. dollar is won't be around in the next. I don't know if it'll take three years, four years, five years. But what what people don't understand is that when you have money in the bank, um, the bank pays you X amount of interest, and then they turn around and lend it um, for mu- that much greater amount of interest. However, for depending on the bank, what the, con- the country, and the central bank, for every dollar of your deposit that you put in the bank, they're lending. Out 12, 15, some places as much as approximately 20 per 20 dollars for every dollar of deposit. So they're lending against very little. And what other people don't understand about putting their money in the bank is they don't understand counterparty risks. They understand risks and stocks, and you know they understand with stocks and the very that type of it. But they have no idea about counterparty risks. They don't understand that first of all, when you deposit your money in the bank, it is no longer your money; it is the bank's money. And if and there is is legislation in Canada that if they that the banks want to do a bail-in and bail into your accounts because they're going under, they have every legal right under
0: what is a bail? A
1: bail-in is like you've seen in Greece. You've seen it in Greece, you've seen it in Malta, where they don't have enough money, they're going bankrupt. So they keep all of the, your deposits. And they might give you back. Like in Greece, they were only able to go and take out like maybe $50 a day or something. Like they start restricting how much you can take out. And, and in uh, the same in Malta. And it, it can very easily happen here. And most people have no blessed idea. And um, this is my opinion. This is solely my opinion. Um, and, you know, they say that um, your guaranteed investment certificates are are. Are um, guaranteed by the Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. Well, there isn't money in the can- can- Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation to back all the money that's in the banks and GICs, or term deposits. There was a very interesting minutes of the, a meeting in November of the counter the counterpart of the Canadian Deposit Insurance. Corporation is called the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation in the United States. And if you listen to those those um, meetings and some of the highlights of those meetings, which I have happened to listen to, it talks about. But you won't see this in the in in mainstream media. If you want to find out what's really going on in the world, you have to dig a little deeper than that. Um, and so what they were saying is they're really only in the U.S. FDIC. There's only about I don't know if it was as high as ten cents, maybe one $0.3 cents for every dollar worth of deposits to cover with their, the insurance. And so the members of the FDIC were discussing with each other, well, we know, but we don't think it's a good idea to put this out in the general population because it might create our banks and it might create a lot of fear. But this may happen at some time in the future. So having a little cash on the side helps in case you can't get at your money. And having things to barter with in case we do end up going to a barter society. I do think in the future, uh, we will have um, two sort of... Systems will have those who are sort of in a social credit system, and then you'll have will have an alternate society that is more self-sufficient, back to the land, using barter systems, growing their own, having their own water resources, having their own energy resources. Because it's no secret that the electrical grid is in very poor repair in North America, and that the grid the grid could go down. I mean, I know here where I live, we have very high winds in Port Rowan, and our electricity goes out or like over in Rondo, where, where the fan, the cottage is, the electricity can go down for more longer periods of time. And that can be very inconvenient. Um, so uh, a lot of folks in where I live have gas generators, um, probably would be better off with a solar generator, because, you know, just in case you can't get gas at some mm-hmm. point in time, never run
0: out of the sun. Yeah, yeah, but
1: bar there will be a barter system where, you know, I'll do this for you, I'll help you build this and you give me, you know, food or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that, the, I'll do this for you specifically in part of the barter system, because when you say barter Mm -hmm. system, a lot of people, what will come to mind is trading stuff for stuff, but it's important to understand that you still trade services. You can still be useful, right? And within that, it reminds me of recently having conversations with my fiance and talking about the idea that if something happened, solar flare knocks out the grid, someone launches a new, whatever it is that sends us into some sort of post-apocalyptic dystopia. If that's to happen, I think about the current generation and, and people under 30 people under 25 and just how many of them are useful like how many of them have skills that when all technology disappears how useful are you to the world and other humans because i mean i don't have a ton of skills but i have enough that i do something you know what i mean there's just right. so many people that are so reliant on their, their brain and everything about them is just completely encompassed in technology and they have no real world skills and it's just terrifying well, to me to think about that possibility. Yeah. Well, that's
1: them. a very, that's a very interesting point, Trevor. And and, and it's a, definitely should be a real concern for someone who doesn't um, have, it, it's important to build up your skill sets. And I know, whereas say mm-hmm. a lot of younger people in the city, or, you know, they, they go, it's all about go to university and get a degree, which often they can't do anything with anyway, and can't get a job. But I've noticed since I've moved to the country, because I'm a Toronto girl, and I'm down in Port Rowan in Norfolk County, I've noticed that um, a lot of the young people here seem to have more practical approaches to their uh, education and a lot of them become plumbers or electricians or um, that's smart drywallers or roofers or <clears throat> you know doing <clears throat> uh, east trough systems or the girls will go into nursing or they'll they become hairdressers and we have a lot of Mennonites down here mind you as well and Amish in our area like um, there is north of Kitchener where I lived previous and then of course in toronto where i i spent a lot of time but they they tend to have and and if you look at the folks making money now it's hvac people Mm -hmm. and electricians because hvac people have to have plumbing ticket they have to have this ticket that ticket Mm -hmm. and these are the people making money now and they're also um they tend to marry a little bit earlier and they tend to have a house they tend to buy a house it's cheaper in the country mind you but they they get a house and start a family earlier and they have a good job
0: yeah that's a really good route to go a lot of more a lot more young people need to consider that stuff i hear i got a lot of high school kids that come to my gym and i'll have conversations here and there and i'll be like what are you doing afterwards some guys oh, i'm going to college for this university for that and then whenever someone's like oh i'm getting into a trade I'm, i always celebrate that i'm always like great idea. that's a good idea yes. get get an and, apprenticeship do what you got to do yeah.
1: and it's not easy to, to like a trade now days it's you know i think it's three or four years of community college and a lot of apprenticeship and, um, you know, it's not a walk in the park. It's not like in the, you know, where you just apprentice back in the day. And of course, it depends on certain unions. I know the plumbing and the electrical trades at one point in time, if you didn't have a family, there's a lot of nepotism. If you didn't have a family member um, who could take you on and apprentice you and get you into the union. But nowadays, that's not the situation. It's They're finding it very difficult to get um, young people into the trades. Like I think somebody was telling me, someone one of the local uh, that they can't get people they can't get people to train to go and apprentice as electricians and train and also um that's why also they're encouraging a lot more women to go into the trades where they that wasn't the case before but yeah we're moving into a very um, new world and no. uh, it's coming faster than people think um
0: yeah it's a weird and- time for sure with what everything that's happening in the world um, with that i'm sure we can go on and on about the weird world that we're in and the weird world that we're moving into why don't transition to some of these things that I wanted to stress test and discuss with you? Of course, some of them are frameworks, some of them are just perspectives, and just let me know what you think. If you agree or disagree, think there's a way to change them. You were actually the first person that was insistent on getting them written beforehand so that you could review them, which is totally fine. I'm cool with that. I think that's great. And so the first thing is uh, communication sucks. Thoughts are complicated, and we're trying to use grunts and gestures to share them that seems like craziness what are your thoughts on that
1: okay communication well i have a lot of experience in this area yeah. because i've taught communication skills and that was one of the key things that i had to do when especially with couples um how to you know how to Effectively communicate. So there are models for communication. One very well known one is called the awareness wheel, and we can talk about that. But it's important to have visual models for people. If you give people a picture, they're going to remember it. Or you give them a little logo like group formation. If group development is a very complicated issue, but if you say to somebody forming, storming, norming, and performing, so that's sort of the four phases of, of group development. So, but that gives people a little little you know little. Thing to hang on to to remember. But with communication, I think that um, one of the key things is, is that, but which I'm sure you're already aware of, it's not the words that the language that is used, although that's important. It's body language and tone of voice make up a huge proportion. I think tone of voice makes up like about 80% or so, some mm-hmm. inordinate amount. And body language, too. Are you standing there talking to someone with your arms folded or do you have an open body pose? Um, and with um the tone of voice, that can make a huge difference, a bit, a lar- a, you know, a, a big difference to people in the way you come across. So the, the words you use, and this is the thing about the word the language um, and, and linguistics always fascinated me as well, although I've not doing, done any in-depth study into the, the v- vocabulary that people have nowadays. The, the number of words that you have in your vocabulary um, has decreased dramatically over the last 30 or 40 years or since I went to school.
0: That makes complete and sense.
1: So I think that apparently I can't remember the number, but the, the, the vast majority of people only use about on a regular basis about a hundred words or two hundred words, something yeah.
0: like that. Yeah.
1: And I think nowadays um, the the thing about having a broad vocabulary is that you can with a greater demand a command of adjectives and adverbs and um, dangling participles if you want to say that uh, you you have the ability to. To, to describe the nuances more in, in, in your communication. It's not critical, but if you were teaching, say as a, if you were teaching someone, uh, you would wanna be able to maybe describe the nuances more. Um, and nowadays, as you mentioned in the information you sent to me, that people now are communicating very, I can't get people to call me and verbally communicate. In my age group, we, we did that all the time. People wanna text, I want, they, I, I mean, I, email this is a little bit longer but texts yeah. I think are limited to so many characters. So people are having these very short texts and they and then you know you talked about emojis. Which I don't understand much about emojis anyway, except smiley faces and unhappy faces and hearts yeah. and all that stuff. But but I mean, when we go back to our end, prehistoric man, they, um, I don't know, and I haven't done enough studying on how and when language developed, um, but they used a lot of symbols.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, hieroglyphs, and, right?
1: Yeah. and Or even the, the, the cave paintings mm-hmm. in France that are so famous. So now we're, we're using a lot more emojis or symbols. Yeah. But I think with people, um, you know, the the biggest, the biggest, you know, tips they could, could take, I guess, is to modulate their voice and use what they call I language. Because people, you know, if you look at tenses of verbs, there's I, you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, I ate, you ate, he or she or they ate. So the thing is, is that the first person that you're having a monologue and, and if you ha- if there's two person you are using the word you you're having a dialogue between two people and if you re- you f- refer to the third person he she or it and i know it's all new pronouns nowadays and i'm trying to figure that one out myself because i know you know i've been um brought into the 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 late, the, the, era, the the new era of pronouns by my not just for my reading but
0: it's okay by we, my, we don't we don't need my, to get into all that yeah
1: by my family but using i language is important because a lot of people will start off a sentence they don't using i language means speaking for yourself if you say a lot of people will start off with you and it's kind of an accusatory thing you you know you never or you always or it's kind of a that kind of a thing instead Mm. of and they're you know you you know never you know you never take the trash out whereas it might be better to say you know i've noticed you know i've noticed that you know you you we we agreed upon taking I've trash I've noticed that you haven't been doing it and I you know I'm thinking so I've noticed I've observed this is the first part of any communication and I'm thinking that you know we had agreed that you would do that and I would do this and I'm really feeling kind of disappointed I mean I'm kind of upset about this and disappointed and what I want is I want us to talk about this and and sort this out and have a plan for how we're going to manage this situation so you go through a five step process because if you say a lot of people say well I think but they don't back it up with observations they don't have any data or observations what and no mainly what your observations will be this is what i heard you say this is what i saw you do you're not going to get into smell so much unless you're talking about a fire or taste unless you're talking about eating or you might and you're really going to say talk about your sense of touch unless you say you grab my arm and and i think you're being out of line and stepping boundaries so i think you're going to main give your observations about what you saw and what you heard and then you use the word then you say and this is what i think and then you give give your, because sometimes our thinking is faulty or exaggerated, and uh, that's where the miscommunications come in. So, uh, and a lot of people in our our society, they don't say, I think what they say when they mean think is they say, well, I feel that uh, the Blue Jays are going to win. Well, you know, you don't feel that the Blue Jays are winning. You think that the Blue Jays are going to win. But if you if I say I feel I should be attaching an emotion to it. And there's four basic emotions. You know, there's they, they throw in guilt as well. But it's, you know, I was taught just to remember sad, mad, glad and scared. And there's there's guilt too, and there's, there's all variations of mm-hmm. that. You know, if you're if you're sad, you could just say that you know it could be I'm just disappointed, uh, or if you say I'm angry, you could just. Uh, say I'm annoyed. Right. So And and you you have to temper your language. I had to work with this with a lot of people that were having trouble with their bosses. So, you know, and then you go on to, and this is what I want. Now, unfortunately, some people come across, and this is a killer in a very dictatorial fashion. I think, and, and I want you to blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. it's like a dictate. So that doesn't work very well. So um, that's kind of how people tend to miscommunicate and, and a guideline a model for how they can more appropriately, uh, you know, communicate, communicate with each yeah.
0: other. Yeah. yeah. So then I think overall, it sounds like you're in agreement that communication is quite difficult.
1: Communication is difficult. I know the model. Mm-hmm. I taught the model. but When I'm in an emotional place and I'm getting really annoyed with something, um, or I'm—I don't tend to frighten very easily at this stage of my <laughs> life. I don't, have, I don't have much fear. I, I don't experience fear much, and I don't experience um, uh, guilt. You know, I, I just have a good moral compass, and I don't. Sure. There's very little in my life I can look back on and feel guilty yeah. about. Some things. But if I get angry, that can really trigger me. So I'm going to probably start raising my voice and I'm going to start making you statements. And I'm probably going to totally forget about the proper mode of communication. Yeah. So when you're really the best thing, when you get really annoyed with someone or you're angry or you're, you know, your best to just, you know, go take some deep breaths cool off and not start to have a uh, have a conversation until you're in a better frame of mind because it just doesn't work when you're emotionally
0: charged. So normally I would move from here to the priority pyramid next mm-hmm. and I would then cover mind the gap and then talk about how call conflict is misunderstanding etc 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 I'm curious just to take a different strategy with this because you read over all of these is there any particular one that you want to discuss that you found particularly interesting
1: well I mean no there's some notes that I've made and um, we can you know, just continue
0: in order as I normally do because I've made yeah, the we can we,
1: what you just run it the way you want to run it um I think that um, when you, you know, you, you mentioned that conflict is, is a mis- misunderstanding, and I think that most therapists are in agreement about the fact that, um, or not even therapists, conflict is what we always say is conflict is normal, necessary. It's how you deal with the conflict, and there are models for dealing with conflict effectively. But conflict is just a natural part of life that's going to come up, because people are all about, there's always power differentials in relationships. Mm -hmm. And in groups, there's, um, you know, that's just a fact. So I would disagree with you on that, that. I think that conflict is normal and necessary. And I think it comes as a result of people's egos and power.
0: So you're saying that you don't think that conflict... At the root of all conflict is misunderstanding.
1: Oh God, no! If a person isn't doesn't have a doesn't have a say, a person has Aspergers. They don't give a darn about conflict. They're gonna they're gonna just they're gonna just
0: push 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 right. like a boulder. That's so. If someone you're saying if someone has Aspergers and they're or
1: not not necessarily. And I'm thinking of let me just look up there. It's not it's not just Aspergers specifically. There's another. Uh, Offshoot of Asperger's. That's like autism. Viewed. I'm sorry. What was that? Autism. No, no. Um, so, but wh- at any rate, um, I is- don't think that it's because of standing a conflict. I think that say people have really a lot of mood management issues and can't control their anger. And you often find that with kids with ADHD, and you'll find it more with the boys than the girls because it's more.
0: Um, it's an emotion regulation problem. Y-
1: yes. Yeah. And um, they, they. That's. They I don't think that that's
0: separate from misunderstanding. Though. i think that if you're
1: but people get into conflict when there's mood when there is anger or when there's fear
0: okay so where does the anger and fear come from
1: well it comes from the, the story you're telling yourself in your head and it comes could that from that story be thinking. the wrong story the story could be your thinking and that's another whole model that i'm not even going to get into but um if your if your thought process first of all you take in information Yes. and it, people take it in in different ways and it's the way they're processed the information. But sometimes because of what they've observed happening around them, what they heard or saw, they might misinterpret that and mis and have a misunderstanding of that data, which leads them to faulty or exaggerated thinking. Yes. And that's where you're gonna get in the beginning of the miscommunication.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that people like if someone is angry, it's usually because of a misunderstanding. If someone is afraid, it's usually because of a misunderstanding. If someone's feeling insecure, it's usually because of a misunderstanding. I would argue that potentially every time it is, I would argue that potentially can find that at some point the train of data or information or perception, something has been missed or misinterpreted.
1: I don't totally agree with that, but I think we just have to agree to disagree. Um, I think a person isn't doesn't necessarily become angry necessarily because of a misunderstanding. They might be, instead of feeling sad, they might be really angry that there are people starving all over the world and a few people have most of the, the resources and assets of the world and, a lot, and they're very angry. It's not because of a misunderstanding. It's quite clear that this is actually happening.
0: Okay, so now we're talking about anger though where so if this angry person is creating a conflict who are they creating a conflict with are they creating a conflict with the governments or the people that have the money or in the scenario you're providing
1: no well, they're probably just frustrated that they can't do more about it if they feel uh, somewhat helpless to to um to do something more about it sure well, i so don't
0: people can be frustrated and angry about anything that they want to be frustrated and angry about i'm t- saying specifically that conflict is misunderstanding so if there's two people and they're in a conflict i think that it can be solved with communication Do
1: you think that most of the wars in the world are about misunderstandings yes i don't i think wars in the world are about power and greed
0: i think that that i
1: think they're about con- treaties that are written up in to make agreements with no misunderstanding and the treaties are broken so i think we i think should that move the power and to,
0: greed comes I from i think
1: we should I think we should move on to something else because I think it's important. You know, you have your thesis about this and I have mine and we could talk it to death and it wouldn't change my mind and it wouldn't change yours.
0: I don't think to change each other's minds. I think it's healthy to have dialogue and debates about things. Yes. I don't think so. Just because we have started this section of the conversation and we're not in agreement, I don't think that to just jump off track because it could be uncomfortable to disagree on something. I think that that's the whole point of why I'm doing this is to find things that I disagree with people on. so that we can discuss it.
1: But you see, if I don't agree visas, to me there's no point in me discussing it. So there's is no this point this? in
0: having conversations with people that no. have differing of opinions?
1: No, what will probably happen, Trevor, is you'll you're going you're going to possibly do a monologue rather than a dialogue. How do you mean? Uh, you know, are, you, are you, there's different you know, different modes of um, of communication. There can be a discussion, there can be a dialogue, there can be a diatribe, or there can be, I forget the fourth one, um, where you're pretty much prescribing how things are going to be.
0: Right, so uh, it sounds like you're putting me in a box then where you're automatically assuming no, how I'm going to approach this conversation. No,
1: I think that I'm just thinking that this is not something that I find useful to because okay. I know, you know, I think that, I've stated my my thoughts on this. You've stated your thoughts on this, and I don't think banging it back and forth like a squash ball or a tennis ball is going to get us any further. But I could be wrong. Of, well, it doesn't matter if you're wrong. It's not my wrong. It role does matter. Too. It
0: matters to me if I'm wrong. I want to know if I'm wrong, and if I can siphon you're more neat. information out of from but your side. Not. But
1: Trevor, you're not right or wrong. You're, no you're right. right or it's wrong. it's.
0: I don't like right or wrong. I'm just using the word wrong because it's quick and easy. If you have a perspective and. If you have data about this perspective, that conflict doesn't always arise from misunderstanding. If you have a, a, if you're able to accumulate enough of a perspective to counteract mine on that, then I might want to take yours on as my perspective. Well, I, you
1: know, as I was discussing, conflict to me is not necessarily a res- result of a misunderstanding. I think it can be different personalities with different agendas. And they're never, if, you know, you're never going to get, um, two people who are you know you're not going to get someone say who is has a dictatorial personality and and is very very aggressive um and it's my way or the highway and there are people like that you're not Mm -hmm. going to get them to be like the person who says well i'm open i'm willing to listen and you know i don't always have to be right and it doesn't matter to me if i win it's not about winning and losing Mm -hmm. but then you've got the other person whose personality is such that um they have to win at all costs Mm -hmm. and that's that's debate that's the fourth the fourth thing that i was thinking of or methods. So everybody's body chem- body chemistry and brain chemistry is so different, and we're all people are very, very different. Agreed. Different. So you're not going to be able to, uh, conflict can arise out of people just having very different, their brain works very differently rather than, um, you know, just misunderstanding. They're not misunderstanding at all. They know exactly what their agenda is and what the outcome they want to be. And they're going to win. There's no misunderstanding about
0: it. Couldn't be argued that if their brain chemistry is so different, then there might be, based on that model presenting, it might be useful to consider that they are experiencing a certain amount of misunderstanding that could not be overcome because. because of the amount of difference
1: it's not a misunderstanding it's a malfunction Malfunction. of the brain yes because the brain doesn't misunderstand everybody has their own way of taking information and processing it
0: wait what do you mean the brain doesn't misunderstand what's the use of the word
1: doesn't misunderstand the brain processes information it it the brain, if we're talking about body chemistry, and I'm no expert on this, but this is my understanding. If the brain uh, in, it, in its complex functioning um, is based on a lot of not only the way a person's brain is structured, but the chemicals that are released into the brain and such as some people have low serotonin levels. Some people um, with depression have um, low lithium levels. Um, people with ADHD have low, generally low iron and low zinc levels. So so that's going to impact the way that they think. So you can't say that brain, the brain isn't misunderstanding. The individual might be misunderstanding, but the brain is not functioning the way that it. the same as somebody else's brain. That's all I'm
0: saying. Okay, so because there isn't, so what's the use of the word misunderstanding if you're not going to? Well, what does,
1: what does misunderstanding mean? I mean, let's, you know, what is the traditional, um, you know, misunderstanding is, you know, uh, what is understanding? Understanding. understanding is is understanding is taking knowledge that you've taken in. Yeah, it's a failure and,
0: to us understand something, failure to understand something correctly, a disagreement or a quarrel. Um, a disagreement. And then we got to get into guess, the de- and, definition but, of understand. Yes, but from
1: Understanding there. is. My understanding of understanding is is that I have knowledge. I take in this knowledge. I take in this information. And hopefully, I understand the um, information I'm taking in. But they say in order to really understand it, you have to have a certain degree of wisdom, which I wonder, how do we define wisdom? And is that something that comes through time experience? And then there's then there's the other aspect here where we're looking at what's called um, discernment. Now, discernment, my understanding is, it has to do with judging, making a judgment, a, a good judgment around information taken in and the understanding of it and the the wisdom to kind of you know you have. To, I, my understanding is, knowledge and wisdom together creates understanding and then discernment is another layer where you have you, you are able to make a judgment based on your experience and the mm-hmm. information you take. Yeah, so discernment very- is
0: like are those berries poisonous or are they not kind of stuff, right? determining which thing is which.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. So I mean there's so many different aspects to um, information and knowledge and learning and mm-hmm. how the brain works and it's I mean I just know some of it. I don't I don't profess to know a lot about neuroscience. That's right. for sure
0: there was a, i think there was a philosopher that said that under the meaning of each word like every word has so many infinite meanings and when we speak we're not paying attention to the meaning of each word we are ignoring 99% of the of each word because we have to because it's based on context and every time you get a word you have to just ignore 99% of what that word actually means and you have to pay attention to the one little bit of what it truly means based on the context of the conversation that you're in and so there's also this perspective of understanding that is for you to understand something truly you need to understand how it acts and reacts to all things in the universe and how it is correlated to all things in the universe and that true understanding of anything is impossible so then with those absolutes we need to kind of have a breaking point where if we're going to use the word understanding at all in our vocabulary we need we need to at least assume some sort of uh, I don't know, area in which we hit a point where we can accept something as understanding and not have to go to such absolutes. So then it makes me wonder when it comes to understanding, is it not that, because I think originally you you said that these people with different brains aren't misunderstanding each other. I I wonder what's happening between people that have these different brains or different perspectives or a different neurochemistry, as you're saying, what, what how would you define it? It's not misunderstanding.
1: Well, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not you know what? Do you now, what do you really look at here? I, I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to get at. Because you're I said that about,
0: conflict is misunderstanding, and then you said you don't think it is. No, and,
1: I don't think it's totally misunderstanding. Right, oh, and so I'm trying
0: to understand your example that you provided as an explanation on why you don't Mis, think that misunderstandings
1: misunderstanding. are part of conflict, but okay. they are not the total substance conflict.
0: Oh, agreed, agreed entirely.
1: I think conflict, as I said, comes from many different. So we're going around the circle again, which me, I'm a very impatient intellectual type, and I get frustrated in myself, as my partner can tell you. (laughs) So what I'm saying is misunderstandings can be a result of uh, people's uh, conflict, rather, can be a result of not just misunderstanding conflict can be uh, a result of different agendas that there's no misunderstanding. This is my agenda. This is your agenda.
0: Right. So then my question is, if there's two agendas, for example, the agenda, the example you're giving is two different agendas and then conflict arises from those two agendas. Could you not break down, say, a scenario that involves these two separate agendas into more details and find that there is misunderstanding somewhere?
1: No, I think it's a question of the person has to be willing. And if a person is not willing to come to uh, Common agreement or to agree to disagree and respect the other person's agenda or respect the other person's opinion, then you can't do anything about that. You can't really do conflict uh, resolution work. You can't do um, work with individuals who just have no, they don't care about conflict.
0: Oh, I agree with that. If someone doesn't, if they're in a conflict and they're like, yeah, this conflict is happening, I don't give a crap about anyone else. And like they want the conflict or they don't care if there's a conflict Mm -hmm. or they're agnostic to whether or not conflict arises they're just barreling ahead towards their agenda as you said i totally agree that that is that there's no use in communicating in those situations or you try your best but um, to so try. i have
1: a question for you now yeah totally tell me about conflict in your life and tell me to on a scale of one to ten what would you say the level of conflict in your life is and how do you deal with it
0: level of conflict in my life i guess one and so
1: you two. don't but for someone who has low level conflict in their life there's there's a tremendous interest. So that, that that kind of fuses me.
0: I love con- love it. But
1: but if you love it, then you will seek it out.
0: No, no. And that's why I love it so much is because I don't seek it out. I love it because I like to resolve it. I love it because I typically find that it involves misunderstanding. And when people come to mm-hmm. conflict, I just communicate. And I say my conflict is one because it's not one. I've run a gym. So I've had people come to me mm-hmm. with different things that they've complained about that are varying levels of ridiculous and reasonable, and I have to communicate with be a good business owner. Make sure they're heard and make sure they're understood. And every time, I just find a resolution where they're not as angry, at least.
1: So it isn't necessarily then a misunderstanding. They might have a legitimate observation or an, a, a, leg, a, leg, a legitimate input as to what they think they would like to see done different.
0: Right, but it always stems from misunderstanding because they try to explain why they're unhappy, and then I explain what's going on that they can't see what's going on on the back end. And then they understand more and they're at least not angry with me anymore. And the conflict is dissolved either. So, so there's either a situation where something is just out of my power and then they're like, well, I'm still a little pissed off, but I can't be mad at you because you can't do anything about it. So they kind of just deal with it themselves or they're misunderstand why I haven't got around to whatever thing or why something (laughs) has been a certain way. And then I let them know why it's been delayed or why it is the way it is. And then, Oh, okay. I get it. That makes sense that the conflict is taken care of. And then in my relationship, we don't have any conflicts because we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. So
1: now here's, I'm just going to put this out to you.
0: Mm And
1: I'm not trying to be um, antagonistic.
0: Oh, please be. I have
1: never met a couple that does not have conflict in their relationship. Conflict is a normal and necessary part of any relationship. And if you don't have conflict in a relationship, what is happening then someone is laying down like a doormat and letting somebody else manipulate conversation and be right all the time.
0: I must be a doormat then.
1: (laughs) Well, all I'm saying is that I think you need to do a little bit more reading about conflict in relationships because to say that you have no conflict it,
0: in, in all fairness must... is a bit of an exaggeration. The conflict. It's, in it's, my... a, it's
1: a great exaggeration, and with ADHD, exaggeration could well be an issue. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fair. Uh, it, so <laughs> the reason why I say oh, it like that—that that my relationship has. I I think I said almost no conflict, but to be specific, my relationship literally has very little conflict, very, very little. And we have had conflicts in the past that are very difficult conversations that have involved a lot of emotion, a lot of crying that are really hard to have that suck really bad. And I'm so glad we had those conversations and maybe more will come up in the future. God, Mm -hmm. I hope not. But if they do, we'll have them again and are not like the same ones again. We'll have those when they come. And so we have had large conflicts that were resolved with conversation and resolved by coming to mutual understanding on the subject. And I'm merely stating that overall the day to day frequency, excuse me, the frequency of our conflict is next to none compared to what I perceive from most relationships outside of my own. well
1: that's uh, that's good for you that that you do have a low level of conflict but every relationship has one degree or another of conflict yes now obviously you're handling your conflict in a very positive proactive way and coming with um, resolutions to your conflict that are acceptable to both of you unfortunately some folks don't have the ability to do that and it doesn't even have to be an intimate relationship there's con you know it's very rare that you'll find an individual to individuals were there isn't some bit of conflict at play because there's always egos and um whatnot but that that to me, conflict doesn't bother me. I just, you know, it's just to me, it, it's something that comes up in life and daily life, and you just deal with it appropriately in a respectful way.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So the conflict is misunderstanding, not agree with I him. didn't
1: say that. No, don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> no, no.
0: What? I just. I
1: said that misunderstanding is just one aspect and element in conflict.
0: Right. Right. But that's Miscommunic- that's kind of the point mis- is that uh, that all con- at the root of all conflict is misunderstanding somewhere is the point.
1: Um, I think maybe a misunderstanding of the other person's agenda.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's entirely yes. possible. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, I think that you're not then reading the other person correctly. If, if someone, um, you know, maybe maybe the word conflict isn't the appropriate word when it comes to someone being wanting to win or wanting to be the winner or maybe come out with say somebody's going to um, do anything to win maybe that isn't conflict maybe that's just um ego and aggression yeah
0: i would agree with that yeah um
1: but then you know when you see that happening the ego and the aggression you know we, we might say oh they're having a conflict but really what the person wants is to win i mean it yeah you i know. love the
0: way you present that because i do have i've, I've had people in my life approach situations like that where, where you just described how Having ego and aggression and they have an agenda and they're just barreling ahead through conversation to try and get to something that they just want to get to, or they want to just voice an opinion or whatever it is. And it's, it's something that I'll quite often just because it's people that I know, and I know that that's what they're doing that I'll just kind of, uh-huh. Yep. Okay, and like like watching a bull in a china shop, let them just go do their thing because Mm -hmm. I know that conflict would arise if I engaged with them and I'm not misunderstanding the situation. I get the situation, so I'm just going to let the train go by, move on with my life
1: and not engaging is not engaging is exactly the right to do, because some folks um, say that they were, you know, in the scenario you were presenting, you know, um, maybe for them, it's an insecurity around, they can't be wrong. Maybe when they were growing up as a kid, you know, they couldn't be wrong, they were punished for being wrong, it was put in their, you know, thrown at them, put in their face that they were wrong, and that wasn't good, and they weren't good enough for, you know, a lot of the way we respond in situations comes from our family, you know, if you, look at family of origin um family of origin theory theory and and family of origin whether it's nature or nurture what type of did the child even form basic trust because they weren't nurtured they were either neglected or abused when they were young or did um you know did they grow up in a family that was very rigid Uh, or was it a more a loosey-goosey family it was more relaxed or did i've met people where they they that you go to even give them a hug i come from a very affectionate huggy family going back several generations but i've had friends where i would just automatically go to give them a hug goodbye you know bye and give them a hug and they they actually would freeze their body freeze in position and wouldn't hug back because they weren't used to that um they weren't used to receiving affection that's just not the way their family operated or some people you know i a person that i knew at one point in time a gentleman that invited me over for dinner and um we sat down to eat and i was used to you know you have pleasant conversation dinner table conversation when you're eating etc and you know it's a relaxing communal time and and this fella just went at his food and ate it so fast he was almost shoveling it in his mouth he never and this is a man this is another manager of brokerage firm in the firm i was within huh. and um and and he was just kind of shoveling it and didn't talk at all and i and i was shocked and i i didn't know what was wrong but what i later learned out was he was raised in an orchard his mother had to give him up and he was raised in an orphanage where you 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 ate your food before it was gone and there was no talking probably it was not allowed to to converse and then his mother ended up marrying and marrying a man with a substantial amount of money and then he was sent off to private private boys schools so you know he consequently then became educated and whatnot but mm-hmm. he never got out of the habit obviously of eating in a certain fashion because that's so, that's interesting. A... so it, it's nature and nurture you know but it's mm-hmm. not just it, it's nature in terms of the body chemistry we have everybody's different mm-hmm. yeah uh, men and women are different we have different amounts of estrogen and testosterone you read about those fellows where they've done the the convicts that have been violent and they have an extra chromosome you know how you there's the X, Y and the X, and they have an X, Y, Y or something. I can't remember the exact but they've got this extra chromosome and it makes them quite um, often very violent and they end up in prison. So, you know, it's just, you know and that's why I think, despite the fact that I think you have to set boundaries and be aware when people are overstepping their boundaries and abusing your good trust, faith. I think for me, I always find I have to have compassion for people because I don't know, I've never walked in their shoes. Mm -hmm. don't know where they came from. I don't know their family of origin, what they've gone through as children. I don't know. So far be it for me to judge them. And I think it's very important to have compassion and empathy, especially in these times, because um, I've noticed a big change in people's behaviors, in people's behavior since the lockdowns. Um, And I think that being locked away and and, and it was a a fearful time and a lot of fear created. I think um, a lot of people... I've noticed after the fact, just I won't say in one environment, but I've noticed there's more conflict and people people um, being angry um, with other people and um, yeah, just very sensitive and being a bit more angry Mm -hmm. and yeah, I understand what you mean.
0: People are just more on edge with most things in general. Yeah, Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. So I think can move on to the next one here, the the Lego hologram, a framework for understanding understanding.
1: I do. Not understand your lego hologram, um, what you were trying to get at. Um, you're talking about the matrix, which I've never watched the movie. Matrix. To me, a matrix is simply a grid. A, that I'm, is what the definition of a matrix is. It's a grid, it's a form.
0: Yes, no, the mate yes. there's no there's nothing about the matrix and, in the Lego then hologram. The ma-
1: then the, the, but the the hologram is uh augmented reality via a laser. So that's the definition that I found for a hologram. And I know you can see them and they're they're not real. But to me I thought maybe you were getting a kind of virtual reality, simulated reality, what is reality? You know, that type of thing. I wasn't quite sure.
0: Yeah, I did there I think you're getting that mixed up with another one when you said matrix. There's nothing to do with the matrix in the Lego hologram.
1: Well, it, where is it here? No, Just, the, you do you, mention matrix in yeah, here. Yeah,
0: I mentioned a matrix if you go down to the pinpoint or dinner plate.
1: See, like all these but, egg and, and the dinner plate analogies. And I must say, Trevor, I don't understand the analogy. That, that's, I don't good. I don't, I don't understand them.
0: Okay, good. That's why we're here. So the, let's stick with the so, Lego hologram one. And I want to make sure you're not putting anything with a matrix in your mind. Because when you said matrix, a matrix is a grid that you like have, I don't know, data yeah. on or something. I agree with that. And that's the context in which I use the word matrix. So um, the
1: Lego hologram, I understand Lego sets and you build things with them and
0: yeah. create things. Yep.
1: And you talk about a conversation, be thought of as building a Lego set together. Yep. But what if a person you're having a conversation with doesn't want to build a Lego? set with you. They really just want to, they'll, they'll sit and play with the Legos, but they want to build their own Lego. They yeah. don't want to build one with you.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that. So, so this, is, this is the idea, right? So the idea is that the Lego hologram analogy is just a model, and now you have taken the model already, even though you said don't understand it. It sounds like you understand it, at least some, because now taking the model and hold out a scenario from that model is the model to frame the scenario, right? And the scenario you've provided is someone wants to build their own lego set and they don't give a shit to build with you they just want yes. to build their own and so
1: that's where you're not get the dialogue and the discussion agree. which is uh that's more um, co-op- cooperation if you're looking at it as a as a grid a four grid where as if the other person uh is doesn't want to cooperate they want to compete they move away from discussion and dialogue to diatribe where they're just on a diatribe If you you understand what a diatribe is or debate, you're going to debate
0: because you want to win a debate. Yes. So more, more on the, we can talk more about the debate later when it comes to the Lego hologram, the, and and is it to represent a debate as well? Like it's just a frame, right? And so the example that you give using the framework is someone is, they have an agenda and it can be, it can kind of correlate to what you were saying before about someone having an agenda with conversation or something and they're angry or whatever, Mm -hmm. they're really focused on something or they have a big ego mentioned that before and they're just i'm here to talk about this it's like i'm here to give you information mm-hmm. period and you're going to get it period and i don't give a shit what you have to say they're just showing up to the conversation and they build something and you're watching it be built and you don't really have a say in it or if you try to have a say in it you can see the piece that you're trying to place on the lego structure is not exactly staying there you're like yeah let's put that here and they're like uh nope. And they go back to building what they were built, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I would say that if I'm building a Lego with you and we're cooperating together, that would be like having a discussion or a dialogue. And a dialogue to me is a little bit deeper than just a discussion. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I would say that if you, if I didn't want to build a Lego with you, then I'd be, if I wasn't building a Lego, I'm just building my own Lego. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And to heck with your Lego. Then that would be where a person was going on a rant or a diatribe, or they were just debating you. They had to win they had to win yeah so they weren't going to they're not going to build they don't want to build a lego
0: so I, I think it's important to note though that when you say debating you can't have healthy debates right i think what you're describing is an unhealthy debate where someone well, is trying debating, to force debating their...
1: as it goes have debating teams the whole thing is to win the debate that your thesis is more correct than their thesis and that there is always a winner in a debate hmm. a, a formal debate right. not necessarily in an informal debate but that's my understanding of a debate
0: yes and And i
1: prefer not to get into debates with people and i prefer not to go on a diatribe or a monologue about what i think is blah 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 because that's not going to work therapy room you're not going to do anybody any good certainly
0: not i i quite enjoy debates with that said i don't so the the formal debate that you're discussing like a debate team where there's Mm -hmm. debate competitions yes the goal is to win i don't think that that's useful and i think that if you're to develop those kind of habits i think that that's counterproductive as a person and for your growth if that's your approach to debate in life because when you're debating in life you should wanting to should want to lose if you don't want to lose you're not growing you're not forward you're not becoming a better person if you just want to win all the time the intention of wanting to win all the time is assume you're right and that you have all the answers and you don't
1: well then if you don't want to win and you're happy to lose i would say you're having a discussion or a dialogue exactly you're not debating
0: It, it has to be a debate though at some point right <laughs> like.
1: You just like right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard that before. No, no, no. Uh, I don't want to be right. I think that's the point is I don't want to be right.
1: Communication um, is very, very, it's challenging. It's a real art and a science. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to look at communication, not just with the head, but with the heart.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Yeah. Wow. I almost want to like roll roll credits right now. <laughs> what? <are> you, <laughs> like, that, was, that was perfect.
1: I think maybe that way of summing it all up. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, what's really interesting, Trevor, and I didn't realize this, that you know how there all these little um, electrical impulses or little centers in the brain. There's an uh, institute in the States, which I haven't done much reading on, but other people have directed me to it, and it's called HeartMath. And apparently the work that they've done, there's more centers of knowledge or centers of electrical impulses or whatever in the heart than there is in the brain, hmm. apparently. And that we, we really need to use our heart more, um, as much or more than the brain, because I think what's happened to us through time and through our evolution as human beings, that we're, um, over the last couple of thousand years, we've gone from using the right side of our brain and our connection, you know, and in, in being creative, and we've gone to being very analytical, very scientific, and that's all with Descartes and, you know, Cartesian philosophy and all that stuff, you know, we're, we're, there's something, an example of, of that would be, they would say, and they, they, they assign genders to it, like they do in language in, like, the Latin languages. There's male and female mm-hmm. nouns, but it would be like some of the Descartes things he said would be that male science would overcome female nature. <laughs> it was almost like it was like a domination. So I think that we're moving into a future where we're going to start using our intuition, our right brains, and our hearts and our creativity and our intuition and developing them a lot more and not relying solely on on analytical processes and left brain thinking as they call it i,
0: I hope and, you're right on that i just hope that we don't swing too far in that direction because i've i've noticed with a lot of things just in the world that when there needs to be a correction a, a cultural societal correction it seems like pendulum always swings way in another direction and that and i've I hope it just kind of levels out to a middle happy place where people are using their analytical brain and they're using their creative, passionate side as well.
1: Yes, I would agree with you, and that some of my concerns are that with um, with you know, and I don't know, I don't even know the names for them, where you put on these glasses,
0: virtual reality.
1: Yeah, virtual reality glasses, and um, people are so connected to their computers and being online and virtual reality that they say that. could be in the future a point in time where some people will choose to pretty much live their lives more in virtual reality than in the tangible reality that we know absolutely and that's very concerning and i think as we're moving we are going to be moving in we're we're in a tech we've moved into a technological age and it's going to get move faster and faster and I just hope, and I think people, individuals have to make, or I have to make a decision, and it's not hard for me because I'm not tech savvy, but I have to make a decision. Most people have to think about what part of artificial intelligence is going to be a benefit to us and what is not going to be a benefit to humankind and some people think that this technology is moving more into transhumanism where you're going to be part robot and part human yep. and i must say that kind of that that scares me and i don't know whether i should be frightened or not but it does con- it it's, so, i find it very disconcerting
0: i don't find it scary Because I would argue that we're already there. It's just not attached to us. Physics in our pocket have these. And everyone is on their phone all the time. And everyone's connected to everyone all the time through their phone. What's the difference if it's embedded in your skin or not? It's in your pocket. It's on your person. You're using it all. You're already part of a robot. Everyone's part robot. You don't need to remember things as much anymore because you have access to Google. Google. Parents don't need to know things Mm -hmm. to be able to educate. Because all the answers to all the things are in your Mm -hmm. pocket. And at some point, like Elon Musk has talked about Neuralink embedding a little computer in your brain. And yes. okay, like I don't don't know. Is that bad? Is that good? Like I'm not gonna be on board the first iteration. That's for sure, <laughs> because I think we <laughs> all know, there's, right? We all know there's gonna be problems with that. And then we eventually break it down to a point where, like, are we going to detach from our fleshy bodies and just in, like deposit our consciousness into some sort of machine? Is that and then and then if we do that, is it relevant for our bot? Like, you put our consciousness into a robot. Let's say, does that robot need to be able to have limbs does it need to be able to have locomotion or can it just exist as a box like why do you need a body if you don't need to sustain nutrition if you don't need to have sex if Mm -hmm. you don't need to have those human experiences and then are you human anymore and is your consciousness even important anymore once you're put into that box like there's just Mm -hmm. so many complicated things that we're not going to know until we get there
1: consciousness is a very interesting topic that that's a whole topic unto itself and also if you do put whatever this little computer is that elon elon musk and others are talking about what happens to my free will right. you know i i'm don't mess i don't necessarily have free will anymore i can be just manipulated at a distance and with the other that's, thing
0: can i can i touch on free will for a second the yeah. the free will couldn't we argue that we i mean some people there are some people since you since you have a degree in psychology and practice psychotherapy i'm sure you're aware that there's a lot of people in those fields that believe don't have free will that we are just beings <laughs> that react to our environment please, right
1: yeah that, that i think for me being a person with no an organized spirituality or following a, an organized religion although i have in the past um having a i, I consider to be a, a fairly developed spiritual life i don't agree with that i i think that um i absolutely do have a free will yeah so i, I, I don't
0: agree with it either because i don't want to because it's terrifying to agree with it but mm-hmm. i don't know it's just an interesting thought
1: and then consciousness is another thing you know consciousness is about connected to reality and how do we create our reality and then also what about the collective conscious and the collective unconscious and how does that form and and it that I'm just beginning to really look into those areas and I find it fascinating but I really don't know enough and but I think that they're going to be very important topics because a lot of people nowadays groups of people are talking about the fact that we we're in in we are living in a third at what they call a third level of consciousness and that they that we will be moving towards if we go more internally and live more in the heart um, that we we will go to what they hope to go to the fifth level of consciousness which is a. and I don't pretend to understand it all but if you look up if when I have looked up all these different levels of consciousness it's kind of interesting and they're saying that spirituality and religious beliefs there are a lot of spiritual beliefs that with quantum physics and the development and I don't know anything about quantum physics I had a hard enough time get pa- passing physics in high school but with quantum physics um, that they're going to it's going to be shown that with quantum physics developing that there's going to be much more of an understanding of spirituality the the, the galactic the um levels of consciousness um that it all has a scientific basis based on light vibration photon photonic light um magnetic fields plasma because mm-hmm. apparently everything is plasma and mm-hmm. we're we're partly we're water but we're light and we're also uh crystalline and uh um, uh, we're also um, plasma. And there's very interesting work being done in Japan about a photographer, I'm sorry, in New Zealand that she's taking. This did start in Japan though photos of water as it moves to a frozen state and pure spring water versus tap water, which has chemicals in it, and what the crystal shapes and formations look like. Um, sea water, where you'll see like shapes of ferns and fish. Um, apparently, it's very jagged and messy with tap water and apparently that they can take pictures of water that goes into crystalline state and if the the japanese gentleman who i can't remember he's deceased the scientist he found that if you directed loving energy very positive loving vibrations at the water they would form these beautiful crystals but if you directed anger anger fear at the water and this sounds hard to believe to me but um but that that you did i don't know how it would happen but apparently there's a scientific so that the crystals would be jagged and edgy and not
0: very nice. um oh, so it's there's... not totally impossible to think about no. what you're saying because there was what the the teacher that had the plants in her classroom and she had these kids record themselves saying things to the plant like they would say nice things to the plant so they recorded themselves saying you're so beautiful you're going to go so strong i love you so much all those things they recorded them saying not nice things you suck you're an ugly plant etc etc and these plants were in these boxes and one it was given a loop of all these really nice things being played to it all the time and the other one was given a loop of all these really negative things being played all the time and they were given the same amount of sunlight same amount of water and the one that was told nice things grew flourish and i don't know if the other one grew at all or just died or something but it was a very definitive difference there so for you to talk about directing this negative or positive energy at water and it freezing in different that's what you're saying right it freezes in different shapes that doesn't sound totally (laughs) (laughs) insane
1: but they say that, like you're talking about a very point that like plants and animals are sentient beings. And that...
0: How could you not think that? It's just bonkers I mean, that people don't that think we, that.
1: We've, but we've lost nature. For sure. People aren't out in nature and feet to the, you know, bare feet to the ground, so mm-hmm. to speak. And that um, with more Aboriginal and Indigenous peoples, and particularly in the past, maybe not so much in the present, they were so much in tune with nature. They were in tune with the... the the planets and animals and plants and um, appreciated uh, their interconnection with. Whereas I think we have got to a point in our evolution for many people where they do not do not um, understand their relationship to animals.
0: It's interesting you say that I am tonight starting course. I'm getting my gun license, my gun and hunting license this weekend. And my purpose for pursuing that is because I realize that I have a have a relationship with my food that I don't like. I want my relationship with my food to be better. I want it to like you're saying more grounded. I want I want to know what it's like to take the life of an animal and process it and cook it and have a meal on my table for my family that I brought from mm-hmm. the earth on the table as opposed to walking into a big building having this conveniently wrapped hunk of meat, swiping plastic on plastic leaving it just doesn't feel right mm-hmm. and I want to have that more primal experience that that is that I've earned the food rather mm-hmm. than just I don't know like I said going through this weird process that we've created each um, yes. so I, I love I love what you were saying there to li- we can we can wrap this thing up here pretty soon let's give I got I got one question for you, or we do, and that is kind of jumping back and consciousness. Mm. Consciousness, if we imagine you, you ever leave a sticky note, you stick to remind yourself of things.
1: I do occasionally, and okay. I often, but I'm a big list maker.
0: Okay, so <laughs> if you imagine if you imagine a monitor inside your brain in that computer monitor, computers is consciousness, and there's a little person watching the screen, and that's in your brain. If you could put a sticky on that monitor, right, and write something on that sticky note, and that could just be everyone's brain, everywhere in the world, all at once, what would you write on that sticky note?
1: come from the heart
0: that's good i like that kind of like go through life with your heart right not
1: not exclusively but come from much more of a place of heart and maybe moving a lot away from the head um that's where a lot of people seem to be moving who are trying to go to level higher levels
0: come from the heart that's perfect i love that i think that's Mm -hmm. a perfect way to end this kate i really appreciate your time is there any last things you want to say to our listener before we go
1: No, I think that you know, just a couple of things I'll share. One is uh, that I think just having empathy, and I think as we're moving forward in just what appears to be may coming difficult times, to um, just to be supportive and have empathy and be as kind to others as you can, and. Another thing in terms of you know philosophizing and doing and, and, and what we're doing today I remember one time I called my mother on the phone I was in my 20s and I had was raising the children and uh, Lise and Christiane and I had a lot of time in my hands so I was doing tremendous amounts of reading and I was trying to find the I guess really the meaning of life what are we here for what's mm-hmm. this all about so I called my mother up on the phone she said I said as a joke oh great woman on them tell me the true meaning of life and she said, Kate, you had too much time in your <laughs> So that that was that was interesting. And then there was one other little thing that comes to mind right now, and it was about a a man a. a a devotee went to the guru to find the true meaning of life and to also to rise to higher levels of consciousness. So the guru eventually, after a couple of months, said, I want you to go down to the stables and clean out the stables every day. And um, when you do find the meaning of life, come back to me and uh, let me know. So he was he was there. He was shoveling the. Horse manure out of the stables and for months and months. And he finally came, finally gave up. He was so discouraged. He went back to the the, the guru, the enlightened one. He said, you know, I've been doing this now for months and, you know, I, I haven't found enlightenment at all. And he says, you'll find enlightenment when you stop shoveling shit. That's and good. on that note, I will end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Thank you so much for your time, Kate. You're welcome. You Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, listener, for listening to this entire episode. You're awesome. I really appreciate it. I think that's pretty cool. If you want to help this podcast along because you want to hear more, then come follow me on Instagram at Talking About Talking Podcast, Twitter, Talking A, the letter A, and then Talking, YouTube, Talking About Talking. And share it with your friends. Send it to people. Talk about it. And that would be really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Bye.